The other day, Donald Trump threatened to take back what is being called Antifa-stan. If you're not familiar with what that is, that's just a nickname many people on the right have given it, but it's kind of funny. In reality, the left-wing activists and some extremists call it the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. It takes, it's, it's a, a small space in Seattle. The story, for those that aren't familiar, is that some Antifa types were fighting with police. Police ultimately evacuated and abandoned the police precinct, essentially surrendering it to these far-left extremists. Well, they took over, they took over the space, dubbed it the Chaz, the Autonomous Zone, and then many other activists came in. Now, it's been mostly peaceful, but in reality, there are people there who are armed, who are running the, uh, the, the borders of the zone, checking IDs, checking for weapons. Many of these people are associated with a group called the John Brown Gun Club. If you're not familiar with this group, they're a leftist, pro-gun, I don't know, activist group or extremist group, whatever you want to call them. Maybe, maybe not fair to call them extremists, but they are on the fringe of politics. They have been associated with a guy who in Tacoma, which is in the Seattle area, he went and attacked an ICE facility last year. We'll get into uh, more of that later. But the big story right now is the sheer absurdity of how this is being covered in the media. Notably, that CNN, while trying to call it peaceful, then warned of the potential for bloodshed should Donald Trump try to move in to take the zone. Okay, not necessarily Donald Trump, but he said, you got to understand, a lot of these people are armed. And if law enforcement tries to take this place back, there is a potential for violence. Let me start just by saying, shut up, CNN. Come on. None of these John Brown gun club people are going to shoot a cop. That's ridiculous. Okay. Yes, there are armed extremists. They're on, on the far left of fringe of politics. What do you want to call them? They're legally allowed to bear these weapons. They're legally allowed to walk around. I'm not going to complain about that, but they are doing some illegal things. Stopping people at your border and demanding IDs or frisking them, as some have reported, that's illegal. People are allowed to freely move through this city. We've also heard reports from the police that some of the local businesses and residents are being shaken down. They're being extorted. These groups want cash. For the most part, what's going on in Seattle is a bunch of hippies doing their hippie dance, watching movies, listening to music. And I don't think it's all that worrisome for the most part. Now, there are a few, there are some concerns that this could go one of two ways. Uh, it can either just fizzle out and people, you know, the, 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 the little kids, the naive uh, kids playing rebels and revolutionaries eventually get bored and go home. Or as we do have, because we do have these extremist factions involved, their influence could expand. They could take more territory and these could pop up across the country where they're barring police from entering. So whether or not anybody actually comes in, okay, you do have some considerations to make in terms of will this get worse or will it disappear? Now, Donald Trump says he wants to set them straight. That's what he's saying right now. He says, I'll straighten out Seattle. I'm not, I'm not convinced right now that's the right thing to do. But I also think you can't just allow the police department to be overrun. The police are trying to come back in. They're not letting them in. And there is a legitimate conflict here. But let's be real. We are not dealing with a real autonomous country. We are not dealing with a horde, you know, an, an army of, of communists trying to take over the country. It's a bunch of dumb kids playing rebels and revolutionaries. And I actually mean that with a little bit of respect for what they're doing. They're peacefully assembling for the, uh, most people there have assembled peacefully. What needs to be stopped is the lawlessness, shutting down the police precinct, running the barricades. That's over the line. And that's why there needs to be some real legal considerations into what to do next. The mayor is refusing to do anything. Trump says he's going to come in. But it really is the lowest of low tier in terms of problems. And Trump could probably make it worse if he does come in. One thing that won't happen, though, 
I do not believe there will be bloodshed. I think it's fair to say there's a possibility of it. But CNN right now, let's get to the to the meat and potatoes here. CNN is running two contradictory narratives. One from their media reporter, Oliver Darcy, who straight out lies and says there's no Antifa militants here. And then another report that aired with Anderson Cooper, where a guy says, well, they are armed. So if law enforcement comes, there could be bloodshed. I think both of these are absurd. But hey, welcome to 1984, I guess, where CNN runs contradictory narratives at the same time. Here's the story from the Daily Caller. CNN reporter calls Chaz peaceful, says you have to worry about the potential for bloodshed. You got to love it, don't you? It's like you can't get real news, can you? Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com donate if you'd like to support my work. There's many ways you can give. In fact, there is a P.O. box where you can send whatever you'd like to send if you'd like to send it. But the best thing you can do, share this video. Why? Well, CNN is propped up by YouTube. I kid you not. They get beneficial algorithmic treatment. You're more likely to see their videos, giving them hundreds of millions of views every month when they produce garbage like this. If you think I do a better job, well, I don't have the big marketing budget of CNN, so you can help out by just sharing the video because it does help my channel. Now, if you just want to watch, hit the like button, the subscribe button, the notification bell, and let's read this story from the Daily Caller. They report, a CNN reporter was on the streets in Seattle's Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz, speaking about how peaceful it was Thursday. You have to worry about the potential for bloodshed, he reported seconds later, speaking about if protesters had to be removed by force. CNN, what are you doing? Now, if in fact there is going to be federal officers or federal law enforcement come to this area, it is not going to be a pretty situation. Short of some type of major concession, they're not going to leave voluntarily, he continued. The reporter said that food is being served, medical tents are present, and people are camping out. He also reported that music played and some watched movies calling Chaz sort of a contradictory situation. On the one hand, began with force, but right now it's peaceful. Yes, it's called seizing territory. I, Tucker Carlson did a segment about it, and it really was hilarious because he facetiously does refer to it as a new country that exists on this planet. But he points out the hilarious hypocrisy of these activists. First of all, they conquered land. They seized the land from people who already lived there. Okay, so they're colonial, I guess. They're colonists. They're also using guns, even though they're simultaneously arguing about police and their guns. There literally is a sign saying cowards hide behind their guns. They're also setting up border walls and running checkpoints to keep out undesirables. They also have their own internal police who have been accused of assaulting people. Yes, congratulations. You've invented a, par a parallel society doing the exact same things you complained about. And you know that reveals... It reveals they don't really want change. They just want the power. If they're going to create the exact same institutions that already exist, then clearly they just want the power of those institutions. They don't want change. That's why you can't allow them to take power, because they are corrupt individuals themselves. Let's read more. The reporter pointed out that Washington is an open carry state and added, no doubt some of these protesters are armed. So you have to worry about the potential for bloodshed, the potential for violence in the case that law enforcement does try and remove activists by force. I'm going to say it for the millionth time. That is an absurd, absurd statement. I mean, I, I guess it is fair to point out, but come on, man. He should have followed up with, listen, the likelihood that any of these people who are armed are going to turn their weapons on cops is ridiculous, okay? To be fair, however, cops have been ambushed in recent time. So it's not like it can't happen. It can I just think it's very, very unlikely. Okay. But maybe, maybe, 
I don't know, maybe it is fair to point out that with Las Vegas, with Oakland, with St. Louis, with Chicago, with these shootouts, the cops are going to be on edge. But I don't think these particular people are going to engage in that behavior. That being said, I have two, two big fears. Uh, if, if, if the police do move in and the, or the military comes in or Trump comes in, he could potentially make this grow and, and, and expand. Occupy Wall Street, in my opinion, only became relevant because Officer Tony Baloney, actually is Anthony Bologna, this is his name, Tony called Tony Baloney, walked up to a few women who were just standing on a street corner for no reason and sprayed him in the face with pepper spray. Must have been about a rage, I guess. But that video went viral and ignited Occupy Wall Street across this country. If Trump does send in military or federal officers or anything, you could potentially see this happen in many other cities. So perhaps it's not the appropriate thing to do. On the other hand, there is a fear that you actually do have armed groups here. And we have seen violence against cops. If there is reluctance to actually go in and police this properly because they are acting unlawfully, it could spread. Knowing they have the PR support and the advantage due to the conflict happening across this country and the ability to weaponize any negative press that comes out of them being attacked by federal law enforcement, they may seek to expand. That could potentially be dangerous. I'm not going to pretend to know what the right answer is or what you know Trump should or shouldn't do. But Trump is straight up saying right now, I'll straighten Seattle out. Trump threatens to take on the cop-free autonomous zone himself, says he won't let the city be occupied by anarchists, and criticizes response from pathetic mayor who said it was a block party. You know what? It mostly is a block party, but you do have some lawlessness that needs to get straightened out. The cops have apparently tried to re-enter the precinct. They've been able to. Some people have gone into the precinct and apparently damaged and destroyed things. And ultimately, the protesters are keeping the police out. This is a step too far. It's, it's setting a dangerous precedent if something isn't done about it. Maybe, maybe Donald Trump is talking about straightening them out, not by clearing out the autonomous zone, but simply allowing the barricades, you know, allowing people to freely move in and out and allowing the police to go back to their precinct, a return to law and order. Let them have their block party. Let them serve their ice cream and order their pizzas and plant their little flowers in the park. Seems like they're having a good time, but deal with the, the excess. Those that have stepped over the line, do not let them push on it. Hopefully, if anything does happen, it will not be a dramatic escalation, which results in this getting way, way worse. But I bring you now to the sheer and glorious absurdity that is CNN. Why, they just told us that armed individuals here would resist if the police came and there's a real potential for bloodshed. But you can turn no further than to Oliver Darcy to see that CNN is a trash media organization. If you've been getting your news from right-wing media, you probably think armed militant Antifa activists have seized a section of Seattle. But the mayor's office tells me city officials have not interacted with armed Antifa militants at the site. Will Chamberlain with the appropriate response. This is you. And it's a picture of uh, Mr. Rogers putting on a clown mask. First of all, let me break down how Oliver Darcy is manipulating you. He says, first, if you've been getting your news from right wing media, you probably think, you know, militant Antifa activists have seized the section. He didn't say it didn't happen. He then says the mayor tells me they have not interacted with these groups. Those statements don't contradict each other. He's using a framing technique to make it seem like that proves the, 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 the former is false. No. OK, there are absolutely armed Antifa groups there as CNN themselves have reported. Oh, OK, OK, maybe they're not saying it's 
It's, it's just not Antifa. Oh, okay. The armed groups are there, but they're not Antifa. There, that fixes everything. No, it doesn't. Here's the official report from professional liar Oliver Darcy, who said, right-wing media says Antifa militants have seized part of Seattle. Local authorities say otherwise. No, they don't. Local authorities did not assert whether or not there was Antifa or otherwise. They did say that it was taken, that the space was taken. They called it a block party and there are armed people there. But they are associated with Antifa. I think it's funny. When, when, when we talk about Antifa, they say Antifa is not even a thing. It's not even a real group. And then when you actually get Antifa affiliated groups, they go, but Antifa is not really there. Oh, oh, so now Antifa is a group. Yes, the John Brown Gun Club is there. There is a viral video where you hear the woman announce the John Brown Gun Club is here for our security. They're on our side. So yes, maybe it's fair to say there is potential for bloodshed, but come on, calm the rhetoric down, buddy. First of all, this headline is false. Locals did not say otherwise. That never happened. Right-wing media is correct to say they have seized part of Seattle. That is part of the problem. He says, claims that bands of militant Antifa members are roving the Seattle streets appear to be grossly exaggerated in right-wing media. In fact, according to the Seattle mayor's office, city officials haven't seen any evidence to indicate armed members of Antifa are even on the ground. City of, and as he lies again, listen, city officials have not interacted with armed Antifa militants at the site, but will continue to be on site to monitor the situation closely. It, does that statement say they don't exist? No, it says they haven't interacted with them. They just, they, what, what is he saying? He's just making things up. Okay, let me break down for you the lies. I bring you now to this glorious photo of just two random people who happen to be standing in the, in the Chaz autonomous zone, minding their own business, who are in no way Antifa. Oh, wait, what's that? It's the John Brown Gun Club. They are armed. They have rifles. They have walkie talkies. They have, they have side arms. And you can see this man has a hat that says FTP. Now, I'm not going to pretend to know what he's trying to say, but I can tell you FTP typically, typically means F the police. Now, this group is the John Brown Gun Club. Yes, if you search for John Brown Gun Club, you get redirected to Redneck Revolt, which they say is an anti-fascist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist. And although I want to make sure we draw the distinction between anti-fascism in general and Antifa, a member of the John Brown Gun Club, I believe it was a couple of years ago, maybe not even that long ago, showed up to an ICE facility with firebombs and weapons and attacked it and lost his life. He left a letter saying he was Antifa and he was a member of the John Brown Gun Club. You also have this guy, another dude in body armor with a weapon. They've reportedly been guarding the barricades and keeping out people they deem to be undesirable. So why is CNN trying to downplay this and act like it's not happening? It's simple because Donald Trump says it is. So what Oliver Darcy does is he deceives you by pretending it's okay. There's no right. There's no uh, Antifa militants. There are militants. They are far left, but they're not Antifa. Oh, mm -hmm. okay. I thought anyone who opposed anti-fascism was Antifa. I thought the the heroic soldiers uh, on D-Day storming the beaches of Normandy were Antifa. Not now. Oh, now you need that special emblem and that flag to prove they're an organization. You know what? Spare me, dude. It's so obvious what Oliver Darcy is doing here. He is lying to cover up for the fact that, yes, far left extremists are armed and they are occupying this space. Mind you, they are legally allowed to be armed. I have no problem with that at all. None whatsoever. What I do have a problem with is them intimidating locals and individuals and not letting them enter. There's been reporting of that. I'm not going to, I haven't seen it myself, but that's apparently what people are saying. 
And there have been calls for more armed people to show up. Now, there is a group of people, a guy named Raz, who may have been displaced as of recent, but there's videos of him and apparently his group is armed. They've called themselves the new police and they physically assaulted people. There's videos of it. There's also another video of a guy who's accused of theft being surrounded while they yell at him. What did you do? And someone's got a baseball bat. He says, I didn't do anything. Congratulations on your new lawless space. You've conquered land. Okay, colonizers. You set up border walls. You built the wall and you're using guns to protect it. You have just created your own society. But Oliver Darcy will lie to you about what's really going on. Why? Like I said, Donald Trump wants to clear this out. Donald Trump has threatened the space. He's, 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 he's traded back and forth uh, with, the, with the governor, Inslee, and with the, the mayor of Seattle. CNN exists, or at least Oliver Darcy does, just to oppose the president. But let me show you what's, let, let me show you something, right? First of all, I want to prove to you that this is the John Brown Gun Club, to be completely fair, so that you can see I'm not making this up, okay? Let me play this, play this clip. Hey, folks. Capitol okay, Hill. we have a message coming through from the John Brown Gun Club who is helping us with security. There are some things they want you to know. The John Brown Gun Club is armed for your safety. They are on our side. If you guys want to get a screenshot of this. And then they start clapping and cheering. The John Brown Gun Club is here for your security. They are on our side. Their side is the side that wants to abolish the police and the attached court systems. I'm not exaggerating. That's from the list, one of the list of demands that was published. For the most part, they, all these different lists seem to agree they want to abolish the police. However, they have armed militants who oppose the police and who are there for their security, and they clap and cheer for it. Is there a potential for bloodshed? I roll my eyes and say, yes, but come on. Do, look, I got to be fair. Like, you know, comment below. Do any of you really believe these people are going to take up arms against cops? If a bunch of cops started marching in, the John Brown Gun Club is going to walk away and they're going to walk in and take the space. That's that's all that will really happen. There was a video earlier of the police going to the precinct and no one stopped them. They walked right in. No one stopped them. There were no guns. There were no threats. There were no there was no formation. And the cops went in, checked out the building and then walked out and said, we want to take the building back. And the protesters were like, no, you can't do it. And they started linking arms and stuff. The reality is these people occupy a very fringe space that does not represent this country. According to ABC News, 64 percent of Americans oppose defund the police movement uh, and their key goals. But it gets better than this. Take a look at this. Uh, This 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 uh, I believe this is uh, maybe from Pew. Uh, YouGov, I'm sorry, YouGov, uh, Huffington Post, YouGov. The groups most supportive of defunding police is people with a postgraduate degree and self-described liberals. In fact, it looks like the only group of people with a plurality of support for defunding the police are self-described liberals. Across the board, every single age group opposes defunding the police. Even under 30, 42% opposes defunding the police. That to me is shocking because when I was under when I, when I was 20 or like 19 or 20, I was, a, I was a moron. I would have been like, yeah, burn it down. Woo, defund the police. Young people are just all about <laughs> this stuff. You know what I mean? But no, even they oppose it. Now, if you look at the 65 plus crowd, they overwhelmingly oppose it. But every group, no college degree and postgraduates oppose defunding the police. Conservatives oppose. Moderates oppose. Liberals support. Black people and white people oppose. GOP oppose. 
Democrats oppose, all Americans oppose. There's only 27% support for this. So who are these people? And what do they want? Look, man, I really do see this just as a street festival. It's fair to point out there are some bad apples there that need to be dealt with, and they're not dealing with them. I think it would be a bad idea for Trump to move in. Let baby have his bottle. Okay, look, I was down there during Occupy Wall Street, and it was a bunch of kids banging on drums, and they had no idea what was really going on. And that was the gist of it. After about uh, just shy of two months, just, just about two months, they came in, the police, and cleared everybody out. And it was considered an outrage, but they did it. And they did it under the guise of sanitation. That was their argument because they couldn't legally actually, you know, remove everybody. But there were a bunch of problems there, man. It was getting gross. It was getting really, really, really gross. But they also didn't have armed uh, guards and barricades. Now we're seeing something different. It's been 10 years. This, this creepy ideology is expanding. It's getting worse. And it, th- this, this protest has nothing to do with, with George Floyd. I know the media said they're George Floyd protesters, but I really don't think that's fair at all. They're not. They're far left extremists who are using Black Lives Matter as a shield to inject their fringe ideology across corporate America and into our culture and into our institutions. If you want to have a real conversation about police brutality, especially in minority communities, I'm 100% into it. I agree. Michael Bloomberg himself of New York City admitted to targeting you know, racial minorities. That's not okay. The government, the state should not be allowed to do these things. Totally agree. But what they're offering up is something totally different. Abolishing the police is not about ending the police departments. As we can clearly see with Antifistan, as it's jokingly referred to, they've said they are the police. That's their mission. So when, when you have this, this, this culture right now, where far left extremists are being defended by CNN because they hate Trump this much, I can only imagine we are on track for things to become worse. I do not believe that anybody should be going in and crushing this, but maybe what they need is for a contingent of police to go in and march and push people out of the way to get the precinct back and then let them have their autonomous zone, but keep the police department there. One of the biggest problems facing this zone is the extortion that's been uh, uh, implied by the police. Maybe it's not true, but it's hard to know for sure. I think the residents will need to speak up if they're opposed to what's going on. According to this graph, it looks like most of them probably are. However, self-described liberals support defunding the police. And I'm pretty sure that in Capitol Hill in Seattle, they're mostly progressives well beyond to well to the left of liberals. But it's also true. There are probably a lot of people in there who are too scared to speak up because they know if they do, not only could they have their physical property destroyed because there's no police. They know that people could post their information online and then the horde will come for them in other areas of their life as well. They're being beaten into submission. So how do we solve this problem? I honestly do not know. But what I can say is, let's everybody just calm down. I think this may grow to a larger problem. I think it's silly for CNN to threaten, you know, or or to warn of potential bloodshed. Everybody chill out. Everybody chill out. Okay, please, please, please chill out. But keep an eye on it. And I will. I'll be following news on the glory of Antifa stand to see what happens in the coming days and weeks. My bet is that in the coming month or, or so, people will get bored and they will leave. However, I do think there is a very, very, very strong probability that they are putting out a call for more people to show up. And I'm willing to bet all of the people I knew from Occupy in New York are hopping on a plane right now and flying to Seattle to be a part of this. That could be a good thing. If regular 
little, you know, little old liberals show up, they will displace the militants. We've already got reports that regular liberals have yelled at the gun-toting leftists and asked them to stop or to leave. They're still there. That's what we're hearing. They're still there. But maybe this will get diluted and become a dance festival. And that's the best we could hope for. But I'll leave it there. Stick around. The next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcastnews. It is a different channel, and I will see you all then. If there's something that celebrities are truly good at, it's self-flagellation. And you may have seen this video going around that is probably one of the most cringe-inducing videos I have ever seen. The celebs are at it again. Sarah Paulson, Kirsten Bell, Aaron Paul, and other white celebrities are slammed for tone-deaf, I take responsibility PSA video that smacks of white guilt. The old guard, the old world, it doesn't work anymore. The celebrity PSA is not endearing to anyone. Remember when they all sang Imagine and everyone collectively cringed? No one likes it. But I'll tell you what, if there's one thing these celebrities are truly good at, it is uniting both left and right. Because right now the left and the right are mocking and belittling the cringiest garbage ever put out by celebrities, where all of these <laughs> is just so annoying. No one cares. No one believes you. Shut up. It's stupid. No one on the right believes you actually care about this. And the people on the left think you're just pandering and you don't actually care about this either. That's it. That's a celebrity game. For a long time, this fake reality they've tried creating has been it's been dying off. People are choosing to watch YouTube videos and check out social media where they can get a more authentic view of the world as they describe it. Well, this is anything but. This is the opposite. Maybe this would have worked 20 years ago, but now they're doing these really annoying things. Their cell phone videos where they're like, I take responsibility for my white privilege. Yeah, well, no one's buying it, man. But I'll tell you, I think there may be something more important here. I don't care about celebrities. We'll read the story and, and, and make fun of the, the absurdity of this. But there have been a series of tweets that I find interesting. Coleman Hughes, you may be familiar with Coleman. He is the head host of Conversations with Coleman Podcast. I believe he used to write for Quillette. I'm not entirely sure. I've, in, uh, I've had him on uh, my older podcast before. He said, in the past two weeks, I have been inundated with messages and stories, literally hundreds, from people who are worried about the direction we are headed in as a society. I read as many as I can, but unfortunately, I can't always respond. Please accept my apologies. Zuby responded, same. It's concerning. We then see this tweet from Mike Nana. Nina, probably pronouncing your name wrong. Something similar is happening to me, and I don't even have a very big following. It's extremely difficult to keep up with it all. I take it as a sign there's a tipping point afoot, and that many people's private conversations are completely different to their public ones. And there it is. James Lindsay chimes in with the breakdown. I'm having the same experience. I can't even hope to keep up with my messages. So many people reject critical theory revolution and want it to stop. So, so, so many people. Now, I must admit, I do believe that when you see this shockingly tone deaf, cringe inducing, vomit inducing celebrity trash, I'm sure there are many people who are watching this and just cringing so hard their face is in pain. This thing, I almost threw up watching it, how awful and cringe-inducing it was. <laughs> it's really bad. So maybe it is true that in private conversations, there are people saying, what is happening to my country? What is going on? This is insanity. We saw something happen in the UK, something in December, where the left faced one of the worst defeats in 100 years, and they did not see this coming. They actually thought 
that the, the conservatives would get a slight majority relative to the other parties, but wouldn't be strong enough to actually carry parliament. What happened? The most crushing defeat the left has ever experienced. In Wisconsin and in California, we had special elections recently. And they were uh, 530. It was saying we may see evidence of a blue wave if the, if in California they can take California 25 and in Wisconsin, they're competitive. That's it. The blue wave is a coming. And what happened? A crushing and ridiculous defeat for the left. Maybe it's true, but there is an attack on our minds. I would say you see all of these polls arguing that Trump is down in the double digits. You see every media institution, every company for seemingly no reason propping up garbage like this that everyone seems to hate. There's a viral video going around where some dude's complaining about how his kid it's a, it's a black man. His kid turns on, you know, EA Sports and they make him agree to some message about diversity and inclusion. Look, man, I think the average person in this country is all about freedom, freedom of expression, the Constitution. That's what our roots are. But we've been seeing a dog, a dogmatic, zealous ideology slowly creeping in. And here's what I think we see happening. These people, these celebrities really have no idea what's going on. And so they see the woke crowd on Twitter screeching at the top of their lungs and they say, we should do a PSA for these people. Congratulations. You made a video for 1% of the population. 2% are active on Twitter and about 1.1 or so percent of that are actually woke. And, and, and to that, to that extent, many of them aren't even particularly active woke. They might just be passively woke. So what are you doing? You're making a video for like 0.4% of the population. That's what I think is happening. I, I wonder why it is that so many mainstream corporations have decided to use social media trends as their barometer for public opinion instead of actual scientific polling in this country where you'll find that the overwhelming majority does not want to defund the police. 90%, at least according to one poll, I believe actually we've got Morning Consult showing 84%, Cato showing 90%, want the level of police to remain the same. In fact, a decent amount, about 30, a third, want more police. So why are all of these companies acting now like you see a protest on TV and that must prove the entire country wants this? They see a video where you get a couple thousand people marching in the streets in a, ta- in, a, in a city of 10 plus million. And they say, that's everybody. So what happens? You may see a lot more tweets like this from Coleman, from Mike, and from James Lindsay. I want to read you uh, J- uh, James Lindsay's th- uh, thread, but I also want to warn you. I don't see what, what they're saying. I, I really, really don't. Now, now to, to be fair, I've had some interactions where people are like, my Lord, what is happening to this country? I've also had conversations where people are like, you just don't get it. I've talked, I know a lot of people, okay, to say the least. I have friends who are woke and live in Los Angeles, and I've talked to them about what's going on. Their response, it's unfortunate that there are, there's rioting and lo- uh, rioters and looting, but that's just too bad because we are doing the good thing and we are the best. And when I say, aren't you worried about banning books, banning movies, like literally what the Nazis were doing, and the response is, that's ridiculous that you would compare us to those people. Some things are just full of hate. It's the opposite of what the Nazis were doing. They don't understand principle. They don't understand open-mindedness, I guess. They think they're morally justified. And this is somebody I know who's not super, like very politically active, just passively involved in all this stuff. I've also seen a wave of people being activated on Signal. Signal is an activist, predominantly activist app. I mean, 
Anybody can use it. It's an app where you could, it's encrypted end to end communications. So I know a lot of journalists. I know a lot of conservatives who use it, but typically the people who advocate for it are, uh, they're activists. They're far left activists. My phone has been inundated with notifications. Whenever someone I know signs up, it says so-and-so has just joined Signal. These people aren't conservatives. That means they're being activated in the other direction. I think what we're actually seeing, and, and with all due respect to Coleman, Mike, and James, I think they are in a bubble. It may be true. They may be on the right side. It may be that in private conversations around the country, people are saying, make this stop. Maybe they will use the secret ballot. I've heard stories that older people will on the phone say that they're voting for Biden because they're scared CNN or some other company will dox them like they have done in the past. And so they have to lie. But when it comes to the secret ballot, they're going to go in and they're going to stamp Trump. Trump barely won last time. Look, Trump won a lot of electoral votes, but some states, it was by only a few thousand. So if you think he's got it in the bag, I just don't buy it. I really, really don't. I did a video. Uh, I think it was last week or a week and a half ago where someone I knew, a lifelong diehard Democrat marching at pride events and all that said, the only way this ends is if Trump and the Republicans take everything, blah, blah, blah. The gist of the conversation was the left has gone insane. What are they doing? Why is this happening? Why are the Democrats doing these things? Yeah. And that came from someone who was just your average normie Democrat that I've, that I've known uh, in Chicago. And I have other friends who feel that way. So it is entirely possible what we're seeing from, you know, James, from, from Mike is real. But I got to tell you, man, I got a lot of other normie friends that say the opposite. It really does feel to me. Look, I, I try to, I, I go to, you know, the Donald.win and see what they're talking about. And I go to Antifa and anarchist subreddits and, and communist subreddits, see what they're talking about. And I go to mainstream Democrat and Republican uh, 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 subreddits and other forums. And I follow these Twitter accounts to see what they're all really talking about. The one thing I can say is, at least everyone's in agreement that these people are just awful, just so awful. And they're not doing anything to help anybody. But it really does seem like the divide is extreme in this country. And I'm not entirely convinced that one side or the other is, well, I'm not entirely convinced that the anti-SJW types are completely dominant. With that being said, I'm going to now throw it to James Lindsay's thread. You may be familiar with him. He's one of the purveyors of the Sokol Squared hoax, where he, along with Helen Pluckrose and Peter Bogosian, created fake academic articles. One of them, I kid you not, they took a section from Mein Kampf, Hitler's book, and changed the, the, uh, the proper buzzwords to feminist buzzwords. And apparently, I think it got accepted. I'm not entirely sure if that one got published, but I know it was like a huge deal because it got accepted or something. So with that, be that, uh, with, with, with that understanding in mind, I want to read you a bit of what he's saying. So again, his first tweet was, I'm having the same experience in reference to people saying like they're scared. I can't even hope to keep up with with my messages. So many people reject this critical theory revolution and want it to stop. So, so, so many. If you think you're alone in not wanting critical woke theory to take over, you're not. I'm getting at least 1000 messages a day, every day, and almost all of them are scared of it, fighting back, having success, etc., you're not alone. And I got your backs 100%. Sample. He says, update success. D'Angelo is being pushed at the university where she works, but privately, not many people are buying it. Even some black colleagues have told her it's garbage. There is hope. Sample. Thank you, James. I've been using your definitions and tweets to show my friend how dangerous critical race theory is. I work at a major tech company and have felt stifled for years, but even some of my coworkers are starting to get tired of it. Keep up the good fight. No, 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 no. This is not uh, hope inducing for me. 
that privately people are saying, I agree with you. Now I'm going to go hide and cower in the corner. That does not convince me that this will change or go away. In fact, to me, I'm rather I'm being I'm going to be rather pessimistic on this. It actually shows me that there are too many people who are unwilling to just yell, shut up up at these people. If somebody comes up to me and says stupid trash, I'm going to say, yo, that sounds pretty dumb. Where are you getting this? You know what I say to my friends? I was talking to a friend of mine and they said, you got to understand all the good things we're doing and we're fighting to make the world a better place. And I said, interesting. That sounds awesome. I'm glad you're doing good things and I hope it works out for you. Can you answer a couple questions for me? The first question I have is, do you know how many unarmed black people have been killed by police in the past year? You know what the answer was? No. I said, okay. Uh, I did. I don't. I don't know the answer either. I, I've I've heard it was nine. I'm not entirely sure if that's true as what people are saying, but I figured this person certainly must be an expert, and they don't know. They just don't know. So you have all of these people who are clueless, mindless, doting along, and just agreeing with the mob. At least they're making fun of the celebrities. That I can agree with. And then there's an assumption simply because in private people are whispering, saying I don't like this, that things will change. No. Your secret ballot won't be enough. Donald Trump got elected the first time. Did that change? No, it only got worse. The Republicans controlled the House. What did they do with it? Nothing. So what do you think is going to happen? You think that come November, these people who are all silently talking about these things are going to march in the voting booth and then stamp that R across the board and that will fix things? I really, really do not believe it. You've, you've, you've already seen Joe Biden say that Trump is going to cheat and they're going to have to march him out with the military. Do you really think that voting is going to make a difference in this country? I'll tell you what makes a difference in this country. When you at your company and someone comes to you and says, we're doing this new thing, it puts paper down and you say, no, I don't want to be involved in this. And they can say, well, then you can quit. Yes, I can. Bye bye. Go find somebody else who can do the job. Let them have it. Look, I did it, man. I quit a job because I was like, I'm not going to do that. I, I am not. They wanted me to lie. I was told specifically to side with the audience. And I said, what does that mean? Well, our audience is mostly progressive and young. So that's who we're producing content for. And I was like, so are you saying that there is a if there is a factual news story, but it could be offensive to our audience? We won't report it. And I was told, I think that's fair. And I said, no dice. I want to report on things. I'm going to report on things. And they ultimately didn't like it. They wouldn't let me leave. They wouldn't break my contract, but I eventually ended up leaving. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, man. There's going to be a bunch of silent people sitting in their homes, reading books, and they're going to be going, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Tim Poole. I agree with you, James Lindsay. And then they speak up nothing. None of these people are willing to talk because they lose their jobs. Recently, we learned that a lefty social scientist shared a study from a black professor saying that riots were detrimental to their cause. This person got fired and they still apologized. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. This is why it keeps happening. Not because of who you vote for, not because of how people feel privately, because most of these people, these liberals who are sending messages to James Lindsay and Coleman Hughes refuse to stand up for themselves. So as far as any of these woke moron celebrities can tell, Real life is the stupidity they're seeing on the streets. So I'll tell you what, and I'm not talking about the protesters when I say that I'm talking about the rioting and the looting, the protests I like. I like the people who are going out and protesting for, for the cause they believe in, be it uh, and, uh, opposing the lockdown or in support of Black Lives Matter. I think no matter what the cause is, if you're a peaceful protester or engaging in some light civil disobedience, totally down for it. That's, you know, that, that, that's the thing about the, uh, the funny thing with the Chaz in Seattle. I'm seeing, you know, Trump say that 
you know, he's going to come in and take it back and all this stuff. And I'm just like, why? You let him let, look, there, there are people there who are complaining. Okay, fine. The people there who are complaining, you, you should file reports. I've heard, uh, you know, somebody messaged, uh, messaged us on the, uh, through Super Chat on the podcast the other day that some of their workers had been attacked down there. Okay. You know, something's got to be done about that. And it's a delicate situation. It is. But the cops are unwilling. Trump says he might go in. There, it's hard to know where that threshold is for a bunch of people sitting down and having their little block party and an actual armed takeover of the streets where people are being attacked and, and you know, whatever. So anyway, look, the point is these celebrities see the stupidity of the streets, the defense of rioting, the anti-science rhetoric, the protests in STEM, and they assume everybody must like it. So what do they do? They make a trash garbage PSA that is the most cringe inducing thing you'll ever see. A lot of people then see this and they're influenced by it. The reason that these people are doing this, like I said, is because it's all they see. Think about what that does to the average normie who is uninitiated. They say, this must be what is socially acceptable. I better get in line. Companies then fire people out of fear. And the more they do, the more it will gain ground. It doesn't matter what you, if you have the majority, if the majority is unwilling to actually stand up and speak for it. So I'll tell you this. They like to say things like, silence is consent. Well, that is profoundly stupid. It certainly is not. But it is abstaining from the vote. And that's what they're betting on. And guess what? It works for them. It does. They come out and they tell you, if you agree with us and you don't speak up. Yep. What is it? What is the saying? It's not enough to be uh, to not be racist. You must be anti-racist. They're putting out calls for people to go to war figuratively, that when you hear a conversation that is offensive or bigoted, you must speak up and challenge the racism. And what's happening on the other side? On the other side, they're saying, live and let live. Go do your thing. You don't got to do anything. That's fair. That's fair. I agree with it. There's no obligation for you to speak up. But let me just tell you straight up, as I've said several times on the past few days, if you don't speak up, you are abstaining from the vote. And these people are voting. These cringe-inducing celebrities who are self-flagellating on, on their stupid cell phone videos are voting, and they are very influential. And although many people are mocking them, I assure you, there's going to be some people who are swayed and just say, tell me what to say, and I'll say it. And if that's the only thing they see, then congratulations. They will then choose to support it. I understand there's a big challenge for the anti-SJW type, the civil libertarian type, uh, the conservatives, in that you don't have the same cultural influence and power that many of these institutions have. But what you need to understand is, first, I, I, I get it. The media is wholly infiltrated by lunatics. I worked there and it's one of the reasons I quit. I don't want to have anything to do with the, the lies and the deceit. But let me just tell you, having worked at a company that for, for Disney from 2014 to 2016, the only thing they cared about was money. That's it. And, be, and so here's what ends up happening. We had a series of content that was woke, far, far left progressive, and it did not work at all. They had one success with one particular kind of uh, subject matter. And they said, that works. Let's roll with it. So they did. From then on, they started producing a bunch of woke content that failed miserably every step of the way. Someone then produced an anti-SJW bit of content that went viral, hit like the top of, of Reddit, like number nine, all made hundreds of got hundreds of thousands of views and it doubled their subscribers, which is not necessarily all that much, but it did get them a lot of subscribers. And then they were faced with it with a very important conversation. 
The conversation was typically this. We have invested millions of dollars into wokeness. I understand this one video is doing really, really well and all of our other content is failing, but we did have that one woke video that did really well too. So what should we do? Stay the course, they said. The consultants were convinced that they could get moms to share content by triggering woke outrage because angry women share the most. I'm I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not saying it's true. That's what they told me. And so that's what they do. And that's what they wanted. And that's what they did. And the only reason they did it was because it made uh, because they wanted to make money. The reality was it didn't make money. This company completely collapsed, laid everybody off, and then now doesn't even exist anymore. Hundreds of millions of dollars, nearly a billion, I think, in some ridiculous experiment that failed. This is what's mind numbing to me. You can see the failure. But the problem is, even when you combine a loss of hundreds of millions of dollars, as long as the only people who are speaking up are these these lunatics, that's all you're ever going to see. Companies are scared to be on the wrong side. And if the only side that's willing to speak up is the woke left, then they'll stay on the side of the woke left and that will keep creating more woke leftists. That's why we are seeing the culture revolution accelerate. Now, many people on the right are scared, but I'll be canceled. You know, I've had people from, that I've known from, from uh, Chicago saying to me, I wish I could speak up like you, but I'm worried I'll lose my job. And I'm like, uh, I literally left my job for this reason. I, I, I would rather sleep in a cardboard box than bend the knee and not speak my mind. So I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not enthusiastic, okay? I do, I, I, it, it is heartwarming to hear that perhaps most people really do believe in freedom, liberty, free expression, and don't like what's happening in this country. That I like. Maybe it's true that we aren't really alone. And there, and there are people who are ready to stand side by side with you should the moment arise. But the moment, moment won't arise so long as the woke lunatics are willing to get you fired from your job and you are scared of that, they'll win. They have terror on their side and people are terrorized by this. And that's why they are winning. So if you think come November, marking down Donald Trump is going to change anything. I'm sorry. I do not believe you are correct. Because a lot, of, a lot of people that I spoke with on the campaign trail in 2015, younger people said they were voting for Trump because he wasn't PC. Maybe that slowed things down for a bit. But let me tell you, it's worse than it's ever been. In the past few months, I thought things were getting better. We all did. We were like, wow, the coronavirus sure stopped that, didn't it? Now it's back with a vengeance. And it's extreme. So much so that you can't even question rioting anymore without getting fired. Maybe the acceleration will result in a total collapse. Maybe the more they fire people for perceived transgressions that aren't really that bad will result in people finally standing up and saying something. But at what point does critical mass occur where you are willing to stand up and say, I do not agree with this and it's time to stop? So long as most of the people, look, they're all messaging Coleman and James and Mike, but are they speaking out publicly? Are they going out with signs saying end the madness or anything like that? They're not. The only protests we see are for critical race theory, far left identitarianism and intersectionality. And so long as that remains the case, right, they're going to keep losing. Major corporations, resource allocation will keep going to them so long as they're the only ones voting in public spaces. I'm not saying protest is the right thing. Maybe just getting on social media and, and, and talking about stuff. And I think it's also fair to point out people will get banned. You will get banned from social media. It happens all the time. These companies are biased. That's what they want to do. But listen, 
If you work for a company and you bend the knee and say, I'll just keep my mouth shut, then don't be surprised when you lose. And don't be surprised if you wake up one day to find a world your children can't live in because you gave up your ideals. Freedom isn't free. You have to speak up and stand up for what you believe in. They're doing it. The Black Lives Matter activists are absolutely standing up for what they believe in. And to the peaceful protesters doing it, they have my respect. You know what? They're winning in this front. Scott Adams recently tweeted, the protests worked. And he's right. They stood up for what they wanted and people bent the knee. And that's it. So long as no, the, the right isn't willing to, to, to stand up for what they believe in, speak out and stand up and risk their jobs and their livelihood, well, then don't be surprised when you lose. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Trump winning will change things. But ultimately, you want to know what I've heard from people? I get messages from people too. It's a mixed bag. My friends, some of my friends are, are flipping in ridiculous ways. And that does give me a kind of hope when they say that they're absolutely going to be, you know, voting Republican across the board. Not that I agree with Republicans, but that they've rejected all of this. And it's, and, and, and it's potentially a wake up call for people that the left is going insane. But I also hear from people who are just rolling along saying, yep, sounds good to me. You don't understand. I'm going to go for it. I've also heard from people who tell me they, they are lifelong Republicans and they believe even if Donald Trump wins another term, it's already too late. The end is nigh for, for civil libertarianism, for the Constitution. And I've seen people tweet, what do they say? Don't, you know, don't pretend like you don't know. This ends with the, with the burning of the Constitution. I wouldn't be surprised. Look at New York City and Fort Worth. They have straight up said, if you support their cause, you will not be charged with a crime. Rioters in Fort Worth were released in New York City. They, uh, I'm sorry, rioters in Fort Worth had their charges dropped and protesters who got arrested for low level offenses were released. Meanwhile, churches are still on lockdown. That is ideological preference under the law, inequality under the law. And I think you'll know what comes after that. So long as there's only one side at the table. And maybe because they've been cheating, sure, fine. But I'm not, I, you know what, man? I've stuck my neck out for, for fighting against this stuff, and many others have as well. And it's not enough for people just to sit back and say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this, and maybe it'll do something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not saying go protest. I'm not saying who you should vote for. But I'm definitely saying if you're at work and someone comes in and says, we're launching a new initiative that does this weird, creepy thing that violates EEO, which is an EEO violation, an equal employment violation. And you go, I better keep my mouth shut. Then you don't deserve it. You don't deserve the freedom. Like you've got to stand up for yourself. I have seen so many people violate the Equal Employment Act or whatever it's called. The what is it called? Equal Employment Opportunity Commission or something like that. I don't know what it stands for, but basically you can't post job preference. What do we see all the time? The, the, the founder of Reddit said, I want my position replaced by a person who is black. OK, I don't know if that's an official job, but hiring preferences are illegal and these people keep doing it and they're getting away with it and nothing is happening. So what do you think is going to happen if this keeps going on? Eventually, there won't be equal employment. Eventually, there won't be equal rights under the law. These people are taking it away and very few are speaking up about it. But what else can I say? Maybe it's harder than that. I know people have families. They don't want to uh, risk their families and stuff. And there you go. These young people, guess what? They have no families. That's why they don't care. They have nothing to lose. They can speak up. And their worst case scenario is they're you know, living in a, in, a, in a cubicle apartment with 10 other people. And that's life already. And then there are the real working people who have kids who say, but I can't risk my kids. Well, congratulations. You will leave them a worse off world where they have no freedoms unless you're willing to say, I disagree. I'll leave it there. 
Otherwise, I'll just rant forever on that. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you all then. Yesterday, we learned that Starbucks was actually banning their employees from wearing anything in support of Black Lives Matter. And I think it was fairly obvious to everybody that that would not last long. The woke mob came for them, boycott, backlash, and now Starbucks has bent the knee. Starbucks will allow baristas to wear Black Lives Matter attire and accessories after social media backlash. The funny thing is, they're not just going to allow it. They're actually going to make the shirts themselves. There you go. Hey, that's the power of the woke outrage mob. Something that moderates and conservatives don't wield, whatever this power is. Don't ask me why. I think it has something to do with media bias. But I have a bigger question in all of this, right? As we watch Starbucks now cave and start actually, look at this. They say the company will make 250,000, 250,000 shirts with a design that includes Black Lives Matter and No Justice, No Peace available to workers. Not only have they been forced to walk it back, but they've swung super far in the other direction. We're seeing all of these different companies now embrace this protest movement. And for the most part, look, I don't, I got no issue with the protests. I actually like the protests. I like peaceful protests, regardless of if you want to uh, oppose the lockdown, if you want to support Black Lives Matter. I do have a problem with the underlying hidden ideology of intersectionality and identitarianism. So that I think is an issue. What I think comes next is all of these companies bending over backwards to weed out these problems. But more importantly, is the fake, it's the emergence of fake problems, the accusations of racism when there really isn't any. And we're, that's what you're going to get. In the Inquisition, we are seeing now people on the left even supporting this getting banned because someone accuses them. That's when things get really creepy. But one thing I did notice when it comes to Starbucks, right? Where, where, where was Starbucks founded? Seattle. I, th- I think it was what the Pike Place Market. And they spread around. Then you have a bunch of other, these other companies, tech companies that all ha- inhabit big cities or are founded by lefty tech companies. Why is it that the big cities have all the racism? Why is it that it's the police in the big cities that are racist? Why is it that the claims of police brutality are always in a big city? And why is it that these big legacy companies are the ones being accused of racism? I think it's the left that's got a serious racism problem, but it makes sense. You know why? Think about all of these lefties who are going around saying, you know, all these people are racist. It's because they surround themselves with racists. It's really, that's the only way I can explain it. So outside of the Starbucks issue, a Starbucks issue. We have Disney saying Splash Mountain must be updated. And then we've got media. Reddit is finally facing its legacy of racism. What? How about this one? Refinery, refinery, is this even going to load? Refinery 29 is reeling from claims of racism. Refinery 29 is some like lefty feminist publication. So you mean to tell me that all of these leftist institutions were secretly racist? Apparently so. All right, then. Well, Let's get started. First, I want to talk about the boycott. Of course, there had to be some kind of campaign going after Starbucks. Coffee giant gets slammed for telling workers not to wear Black Lives Matter gear. So here's what happened. Starbucks, like many other corporate giants across the world, last week entered the Black Lives Matter conversation on social media by proclaiming its support for the movement and laying it out in a tweet. Some of the measures the coffee giant is taking to do its part. They said Black Lives Matter. We are committed to being part of change. At the same time, according to an internal memo obtained by BuzzFeed News, Starbucks prohibited its workers from wearing accessories or clothing mentioning BLM, citing its dress code policy that targets anything to do with politics or religion. Despite the backlash from employees, a spokesperson for Starbucks told BuzzFeed the rule will stay in place because it's necessary to create a safe and welcoming environment. 
Nevertheless, Boycott Starbucks emerged as a top trending Twitter topic on Thursday. Gee, who saw that coming? And I've got all these people. Look at this. The Starbucks logo is taken from the black goddess Yamaya, black history you didn't learn in school. I'm not entirely convinced that's real, to be honest. Uh, Mark Dice tweeted, this is glorious. Starbucks sent an internal memo banning employees from wearing any Black Lives Matter shirts or pins because it violates their policy against advocating for a political, religious or personal issue. Meanwhile, BuzzFeed reported that nearly every employee interviewed for its story pointed out that Starbucks allowed workers to wear accessories supporting marriage equality. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked about that the other day, but let's get to the update because that's what everyone wants to know about. What is Starbucks doing now that they have bent the knee? Well, CNBC reports Starbucks said Friday that the chain would allow workers to wear attire and accessories highlighting the Black Lives Matter movement, reversing its prior stance after social media users called for boycotts of the company. BuzzFeed first reported on Wednesday. Yeah, we know this. Now, Starbucks will be doing the same for Black Lives Matter. The chain will make 250,000 shirts with a design that includes Black Lives Matter and No Justice, No Peace, available to workers in its company-owned cafes in the United States and Canada. The company said that it began planning to provide shirts for employees last week. Until the shirts arrive, employees can wear pins or shirts to, to show support. In early June, a, as protesters filled the streets in, in U.S. cities and small towns to call attention to the death, death of George Floyd and others, star, what do they say? Uh, Starbucks joined the flood of other corporations supporting Black Lives Matter. It pledged $1 million to organizations that promote racial equity and more inclusive and just communities. After BuzzFeed reported the chain's policy, consumers on social media began calling for boycotts of the chain. And that that we know. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Ben and Jerry's flavor. It's like social justice flavor or something. And I got I got to be honest, man. I don't care if they call whatever flavor they want, whatever name they want. If they made a cookie dough thing called like, you know, social justice and feminism and I like cookie dough, I I absolutely enjoy myself some cookie dough ice cream. I got to be honest though. I bought some of that social justice flavor and it is some of the worst ice cream I've ever had because they have red pepper, red uh, cayenne, cayenne pepper brownies. Uh, look, I get it. If people like spicy chocolate, some people do. But I'll tell you what, it's a very unpleasant ice cream because you randomly get massive bursts of extreme spice. And I'm not, I'm not I, don't, I don't know what they were thinking with. Were they trying to like make a flavor that would shock you randomly with like a shocking, you know, like out of the blue, all of a sudden you're eating ice cream and then boom, you're like, oh, that's awful. Because that's what the protests do. Like you're sitting there minding your own business, drinking your coffee, and then all of a sudden a bunch of people are banging on the windows calling you a racist. I guess I don't, I don't know what the point of, of putting spice in that ice cream was, but it's kind of a side issue. But here's what I don't talk about outside of this. We're seeing these institutions now bending over backwards to not just the protest, to something more than this. Listen, Black Lives Matter. You look at some of the higher profile activists, and I've mentioned this before, like DeRay McKesson, who I've, uh, I've shouted out. He has a video going around talking about police reforms. That is a popular position. He is speaking to the hearts and the minds of the American people about issues they care about. And we all agree on, for the most part, overwhelmingly, I think it's like according to the Cato Institute, 79% believe we should have some kind of police reforms. I agree with it. I, I think so. I think in both directions to better protect police like uh, like body cameras can. And there's probably some other issues, but also to make sure that it, it's a combination of things. We don't want to put police in, in situations where they're always going to be attacked and, and, and insulted and stuff like that. And we also want to make sure that people are made safe in the event that there is some kind of bad cop. 
Some people are toying around with the idea of removing traffic policing from general policing duties and having a specific traffic division. And that's that's something I saw that I find kind of interesting. Some I, I, there's a bunch of tweets from high profile people saying remove traffic uh, police from trafficking altogether and enforce it in other ways. Think about this. I thought this actually might be a good idea. We don't want people driving like reckless morons, right? But I would I would I would uh, I would argue and I have most people's interaction with police would be negative because think about it. Typically, your interaction with police is going to be you driving and getting pulled over and going, oh, no, now I'm going to get a ticket. And then you just have a negative view of cops. It's like, I shouldn't have got a ticket. It's not fair. So not everybody would feel that way. But maybe we can make sure that when it comes to the actual police who are out patrolling, legitimately trying to keep us safe, that we don't conflate routine fines and, you know, the, the, the management of low tier, annoying, petty crime with the actual life saving efforts of cops who have to rush into dangerous situations facing, you know, seriously, uh, serious lethal risk. I think about firefighters, right? The reason why people like firefighters is because they show up when bad things happen and that's all they do. But if you if you made firefighters go around giving tickets, nobody would be happy to see them. And so right now, the police do a lot of things. And maybe that's maybe that's an answer to it, right? Maybe, maybe that's some legitimate reform we can have. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is, because I want to talk about the, the racism stuff, is that there's a legitimate conversation to be had around police, uh, police brutality issues, around police reform, most people are interested in. So when I see Black Lives Matter in that regard, I'm totally okay with it. The protesters who go out and lay down and put their hands behind their back and stuff, and they're saying like, hey, people lost their lives. I'm like, here, here. They did. They shouldn't have. George Floyd was killed. It's disgusting. People have brought up Tony Timpa. I think it's disgusting too. Great. Let's let's get some some press attention on it, and let's not make it a race issue. Let's make it a the the state shouldn't be allowed to kill you issue. Okay, and that there's got to be some responsibility on state actors to prevent death. Okay. That being said, there is also a more dangerous contingent to this. And it's the culture revolution people who are going well beyond the, the scope of just trying to have better cops and are enacting weird racial policies and critical race theory and identitarianism. That is getting well above and beyond just talking about police reform, which brings me now to the fury over Splash Mountain. I don't care about Splash Mountain. I've never even been to Disney World or whatever this place is. Is that it? Here's what they say. Disney fans are hoping one of the most popular rides will get a redo. Splash Mountain, a ride inspired by the film Song of the South, is a major attraction at both Walt Disney World in Florida and Disneyland in California. Song of the South is a 1946 film considered by many to be the studio's most racist, criticized for its stereotypes of black people and its apparent nostalgic view of the antebellum self. The film is best known for the song zippa dee doo Oh, really? I didn't know that. Several petitions have popped up recently. CNN reports calling for uh, CNN reports calling for Disney to remove all mentions of the movie from the ride. While the ride storyline is not an exact depiction of the movie, it features characters including Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Bear. Fans have even offered a solution to retheme the ride. One fan took to Twitter to showcase his concepts for the Princess and the Frog theme. No, you know the problem I have with this is. If you want to make an ideological change, why inject another ideological change on top of it? All you're going to do is listen, this is the problem I have with this. I can I can absolutely be like here, here to these protests, man. I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys saw the Dave Chappelle segment he did. He ragged on uh, Candace Owens and Laura Ingram and talked about issues like Chris Dorner and stuff like that. And I, I, I hear him, man. I like Dave Chappelle. I think he's a smart dude. 
I don't completely agree with everything he's saying, but I'm like, I understand what he's saying specifically when he says police brutality. I'm like, I got you, brother. I'm listening. Okay, let's figure out how we can solve these problems. This has nothing to do with that. And from what Dave Chappelle does, these opportunists are seeking to purge culturally relevant items and and themes and inject their own cultural themes on top of it. Nah, I don't like that idea. Okay, you got a problem with the movie? Great. We talk about the problems of the movie and we don't do it again. Going in and just changing all of these things and claiming everything is racist and must be changed is them exploiting the goodwill once again. I have brought this up time and time again, that whenever we say, you know what, you're right. These people come in to exploit our goodwill for their freaky culture revolution, far left socialist garbage. I don't think if you go to if you go to Dave Chappelle and you ask him about Breonna Taylor and you ask him about Black Lives Matter, I don't think he's going to bring up at any point anything having to do with socialism, the far left, Antifa or weird culture revolution issues. That's not what he's talking about. So, you know, I'll tell you this, man. I believe there's got to be a responsibility in a lot of these Black Lives Matter activists to call this stuff out. The problem is they like it. A lot of them do. And while there are legitimate grievances brought up by, I mean, look, Black Lives Matter specifically started out of the, the, the death of, you know, unarmed or innocent black people at the hands of police or otherwise. Like, I mean, like, you know, various instances, notably Trayvon Martin. I think that's where it actually started. Now, we can argue about the circumstances related to the death of a lot of people. But you know what? I'm going to walk back. I want to walk away from that. Listen, man, people shouldn't die. <laughs> like, I don't want people to die. You know, I, 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 I get sad when I you know, there was a story about the looter uh, getting shot in, uh, in in St. Louis. And people are like, serves that looter right and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I get it, man. I mourn. I regret the fact that that was the case. I'm angry with the person who tried to break in for sure. And I wish they didn't die. I wish that wasn't the case. And I always think about are there solutions for less lethal deterrence and things like that? And sad reality is in many circumstances, the answer is no. I I recognize that sometimes people are going to lose their lives. I don't want it to be that way. I don't. So I'm down to, to, to listen to some conversations. And you know what's you know what I find unfortunate? I find I find it unfortunate that we have to have this argument about these race, race, racial issues to actually get some change to, uh, to be made when it comes to policing. In response to what happened to George Floyd, a lot of people started sharing that video of Tony Timpa. You may have seen it. It's basically the same thing. The cops are laying on him. He says, I can't breathe. They're laughing. And then he dies. And it's horrifying. <laughs> and you know, what I'm bummed about I'm bummed that it, it that that was ignored because the media doesn't care about it. And only then, when it's George Floyd, do we actually have a conversation about what the police are doing and when they need to be held accountable. But you know what? I'm not I'm, I'm bummed that it took that to make it happen. But I'm glad the conversation is happening. Right. I'm not going to pretend that, you know, uh, I'll put it this way. We have something I refer to as the scaling problem. And you may, be, may have heard me talk about it before. The more cops you have, the more likelihood for lethal encounters and mistakes you'll see. The police union in New York said 375 million interactions, almost all of them overwhelmingly positive. He's probably right. So we got to make sure that we are not focusing on the fact that we're scaling up and then having a lower uh, tolerance for a, a failure rate. And we have, we have to make sure that, you know, we actually are seeing a, a pattern arise, something very serious and dangerous. Ultimately, though, if we can have a conversation that results in less people losing their lives, I'm down for it. And I think, you know, when I see when I see the George Floyd thing, that that video makes me angry, man. It makes me really, really angry. 
And so I'm glad that these guys are being charged. I think now the danger is the zealots are taking over. They're using it for their own ideological gain. It has nothing to do with police brutality. What is what is what does Splash Mountain have to do with police brutality? What is what does Starbucks have to do with police brutality? No, I think it's all stupid. But you know what I say, man? When I see that video of George Floyd and then people come back and say, yeah, well, what about Tony Tempa? I go, you are 100% right. Call it all out. I get that some people feel like they're not being catered to because the narrative only sparks up when it has to do with black lives. But I'm like, hey, man, now's your chance to actually say, I agree. Here are some of the issues I'm concerned about. And I think you'll agree that any reforms might actually solve both of the problems. I don't like the idea of tribalism getting in the way of of actual solutions. I don't like the idea that ideologues are exploiting all of this for their weird, freaky ideological reasons. We're seeing major purges in media. Look at this. Reddit is finally facing its legacy of racism. Oh, shut up. You know what, man? As soon as this stuff went down, the freaky weirdos who happen to be socialists and communists took advantage of this. Tell me, please, what does seizing six blocks of Seattle's Capitol Hill area have anything to do with this? It doesn't. They argue, but we're getting rid of police. No, you're not. You're infighting right now, dumping soil on cardboard and getting armed leftists to guard your barricades. You've recreated everything you said you were fighting against. These people are just exploiting our goodwill like they always do. I watched that Dave Chappelle special, man. And I'm like, all right, listen, I see a lot of people disagree with Dave. I see I see a lot of people have criticisms of Dave himself. Absolutely warranted, 100%. But he's got some feelings that need to be talked about. He's seeing some problems that need to be talked about. And he actually warned of like, kind of warned of a race. war. I mean, it's really weird. But he mentioned uh, Chris Dorner and the dude and, and a couple other people. And I'm like, bro, I read what you're saying loud and clear. The violence will erupt if these things aren't taken care of. And there are racial issues surrounding it. That in and of itself, I think, warrants a conversation. But now what are we talking about? We're talking about firing editors from the New York Times. We're talking about Reddit truly being racist. We're talking about Refinery29, a feminist website, having to get rid of its high ranking staff. No, that is culture revolution, an ideological purge that is exploiting our goodwill. When we all see that video of George Floyd and even conservatives like Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity are saying that is monstrous. These lunatics spark up and say, now's our chance Now's our chance to exploit this because no one will dare oppose us. And they fly the banner of of the activists who are seeking justice for George Floyd to take advantage of this. It is not an opinion that is unique to me. It was actually a Black Lives Matter activist who put out a video complaining that when they said they wanted to deal with these issues, these lunatic lefties started taking over. And I've seen it happen before. And I've talked about how they've done this over the past decade. And they'll continue to do it. There's a group. I'm not going to name them. Project Veritas has been has been digging into them. They claim to be an Antifa group, but they're actually revolutionary communists. You can probably just look them up. Everybody, every we, we've seen these people at protests. They're creepy, weird, jackboot authoritarians, and they wear uniforms and they, they actually do marches and goose stepping. And then they exploit the angers of the people to make weird far left ideological gains. I tell you this right now, man, you can deal with police brutality in a capitalist system. I mean, I mean, to be completely honest, this country has been capitalist forever, and we've actually made tons of reforms, granted new civil rights to new groups and expanded on everything the best of to the best of our abilities. And it's only gotten better. I know this coming from my family that dealt with real civil rights issues going back to the 1960s. It was literally illegal for people of different races to cohabitate, let alone get married. 
So when they finally had Loving v. Virginia, all of a sudden the changes came. And this is a good thing. Through the law, through reform, through the Constitution, we made this country even better, better than it was before. Now what's happening? People who are communists, who have no idea what they're doing, are exploiting this and trying to argue that capitalism is the problem. Capitalism has nothing to do with this. Oh, they'll argue it does. Oh, well, think about how. No, no, no. Shut up. Okay, the police are a state run institution funded by this by the taxpayer. Okay, if you have an argument about the cops, oh, you want to defund them. Congratulations. You know what arises after that? Private police. If that's the argument, so be it. But you can't have these same ideas going that it's a problem of capitalism and an American empire and imperialism. These have nothing to do with it. I'm sorry, man. I see when when DeRay McKesson comes out and says police reforms that make sense, no chokeholds, things like that. I'm like, I hear you. All right. And then you get these ideologues that come out and attack him for it. And worse still, they use the I cannot stand this stuff, man. When 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 you see people like DeRay come out and say like no chokeholds, they then use that as a front to argue why they're weird far left, you know, uh, equality of outcome socialist type nonsense is warranted. They say, all we're asking for is that cops don't strangle us. And you're like, I agree with that. What I don't agree with is you then going to every company and shaking them down and demanding they make all these ridiculous cultural changes and ban movies and ban playing cards. That's what's happening. So listen, the, the, over, the big problem we have in the end, you give them an inch, they take 50 miles. Let's wrap this back up with Starbucks. Starbucks made the mistake of defying the mob. But you know what? I guess, you know, they tried. They tried. And now instead of just putting out their little message saying, we support you, they're, they're now having to print a bunch of T-shirts. And now they're going to actually give, you know what, man? It's, it's, it's the exploitation of goodwill. That's what I can't stand. I absolutely can't stand it. If someone comes to me and says agents of the state are oppressing them, I'm going to be like, let's talk about it. I'm not, I don't like that. You know what I mean? And what I said when the George Floyd thing initially happened was, I understand the race stuff completely. There are a lot of people who bring up, you know, other people like, like Tony Timpa, for instance. All we got to say, we can bring everyone together. We can make this change. If we say it's a violation of the Fifth Amendment, first and foremost, the violation of due process rights, the government, state actors ending someone's life before they were presumed guilty of anything, and the cops shouldn't have the right to do this. And we're not talking about a life or death, life or death situation. We're talking about callous, callousness and reckless disregard. If after that, you want to have a conversation about race relations and stuff, totally down, totally down. But I think we have to figure out what our lowest common denominator is that brings us together. And it's the fact that we, as American citizens, have constitutional rights that must be guaranteed. And all of these circumstances, regardless of race, violate the fifth, probably the fourth, first, second amendment in a lot of these instances. I mean, take a look at stop and frisk. That's a violation of the second amendment if you're a second amendment absolutist, for sure. So I do think we have a lot of overlap where we can come together and agree on a lot of things. What I don't like is that ideological zealots are using this for their advantage to push forward weird socialistic endeavors. I don't know, man. It's the best I can do, right? Stick around. Next segment's coming up at TimCast.net at 4 p.m. It's a different channel, and I'll see you all then. This story likely comes as no surprise to anybody who's been paying attention to what these far leftists have been doing the entire past 10 years. Members of African American Council are booed as they tell protesters in Seattle's autonomous zone that they've hijacked the Black Lives Matter movement by pushing other causes like higher taxes for Amazon. 
Yes, thank you. Yes, I was literally just talking about this earlier this morning that you have legitimate grievances from a real community that wants to be heard. And I'm totally down to have that conversation. But these commie weirdos who want to come in and tax corporations have nothing to do with what Black Lives Matter was all about. And it's about time we actually started saying something about this. Now, of course, here's the story. They're booing them. Why? This should show you that they're right. They're telling them to their faces, you've hijacked the movement and they get booed for it proof that they were right. If the African-American council is going to tell you what for, you, you boo them. You're clearly not for Black Lives Matter, are you? Let's read this story. The Daily Mail reports, two black, fe- two black female members of Seattle's African-American Community Advisory Council were booed on Thursday as they told protesters inside the Chaz that they have hijacked the Black Lives Matter movement. Protesters descended on the six block zone in Seattle earlier this week to declare it an autonomous zone. They took over the police precinct, sending the few cops who remained there fleeing. This we all know. They say photos of armed guards at checkpoints. I've, if, if you haven't, uh, if you're not familiar with the context here, head over to TimCast.net. I put up a video over at 4 p.m. that goes over the latest developments on the Chaz. But let's read more. They say over the last few days, people inside the zone have likened it more to a peaceful street party where the protesters dine on vegan pizza, watch civil rights documentaries, and listen to seminars and musical performances. Among the many stands that have popped up is one that is collecting signatures on three petitions. One is to defund the Seattle Police Department, but the other two are to slap Amazon with more taxes and to call on Mayor Jenny Durkin, who supports the free zone, to resign. Now, some say the original message of outrage over the, police, the, over the brutal police killings of George Floyd has been lost. On Thursday, members of the African-American Community Advisory Council, which is part of the police uh, part of the police department, went to the zone to plead with protesters to speak to them and come to a peaceful resolution. The thing is, you have hijacked this. You have taken the meaning away. Victoria Beach, who was part of the council, fumed at the crowd. She and another black woman who had told protesters they needed to talk with the police department were booed. Later, Beach told Como News, how are we going to be heard if that's happening? How are we going to come to the table and talk? Surprise, surprise, the overwhelmingly white group of people, these activists who have taken this place, shouted down. OK, maybe that's a bit hard, but they booed down actual black people who wanted to have their voices heard. I can relate 100 percent to exactly what this is. Do you have any idea how many times I try talking to these far left activists and what do they do? They shout me down. They shut me up. They tell me I'm not allowed to be heard. First and foremost, I wouldn't begin to speak on behalf of the black community or these individual women. But certainly, if you're going to purport to support them and their lives, you would listen to what they had to say. No, it's a bunch of upper class, privileged, progressive white people from the suburbs who think they have a right to speak on behalf of everyone else. You know, today is, uh, I believe, is the anniversary of Loving v. Virginia. You know what that is? That is the day the Supreme Court ruled that interracial marriage and cohabitation would now be legal. Three years after the Civil Rights Act, 1964, it finally, they said, okay, now you can live together. These people have no idea what they're talking about. They have no idea anything having to do with civil rights, and they act like they do. You know what I like to do? I like to hear what they have to say. I'd like to listen to Dave Chappelle. And I also want to make sure that if we're truly talking about equality and living together, I'm going to listen to what white people have to say as well. I think this is why 
I'm probably the kind of person I am, and my politics are probably where they are. Why? Because I can understand a lot of the grievances having to do with the civil rights movement. I grew up learn, hearing these stories and learning about how good I really had it because we've done away with these policies. And I also have family that is white. So what do I see? I see how bad it can be for, really, for, for everybody, really, and how many of these policies just don't make sense. It doesn't make sense to punish white people who are also poor, and it makes sense to actually have civil rights, civil rights legislation. But these people don't actually care. They don't want to hear from minorities. They want to pretend. They want to claim that they're representing the poor, aggrieved minority so they can gain power. But when I speak up, what do I get? disdain and derision. And when these women do it, the same exact thing. So I don't like any of this stuff. And this is what I've said to people over and over again. You know what I like? I like America. You want to know why I like America? Because I grew up in a world where race wasn't pretext for anything having to do with policy to a certain extent, right? We have private sector racism. It's awful. I don't like it. But we have laws that protect against discrimination. And these are the people that, that are leading the charge to create racialized policy. Take a look at Harvard banning people who are Asian or I'm sorry, setting a higher standard simply based on the way you look. I don't like it. I don't want to be a part of it. You know what I want? I want there to be a shared experience based on, the, on being American. And the reality is there are a lot of problems in this country. Not everybody is being treated equal privately. Now, the government has laws and restrictions. And I assure you, there are still probably, there are still probably racist people who are within the government. I think that's fairly obvious. But guess what? Wounds take time to heal. We passed these laws only what? Now, now, uh, just less than 60 years ago, we've actually created these laws. That means there are many, many, many people alive today that were alive before we had the civil rights legislation. To me, that is mind blowing because I grew up in this world. I grew up in a place in the south side of Chicago with people of all different backgrounds. I've experienced racism from every different race. And I realized that, you know what? Sometimes people are bad people. But guess what? We are working towards something better. And for a long time, things were getting better. Now I have to contend with the fact that the left, that who were supposed to be the people fighting for the good, uh, the, uh, fighting the good fight, have adopted this weird racial pretext for law and policy, and they are now actively making everything worse. They say, look at all of these things and all this racism. I hear you, man. The solution isn't to racialize policy. It's to just let wounds heal through reform. That means we're going to be active about it. It means we're going to speak up about it. We're going to call out the bad stuff when we see it. But it takes time, man. What are they doing now? They're prodding at the wound. They're ripping off the bandage and they're making all of it worse. And this story to me strikes at, you know, it, it, I, I, I recognize what they're doing. I empathize. I know that feeling. How, how are you going to claim to be Black Lives Matter and then literally boo down two women who are telling you what they think and how they feel? And the same goes for Candace Owens. I'm not a big fan of her, but guess what? I'm not going to pretend to know her experiences. She recently had a major viral video, like 50 million views on Facebook, whatever. Dave Chappelle ragged on her. Well, you know what? I'm not going to tell Dave Chappelle what to do either. I'm going to listen to what they have to say and say, I hear you. I think I'm allowed to have an opinion too. I like Dave Chappelle, not a big fan of Candace Owens, but I respect both of their right to have their opinion and I want to hear them and better understand them. This is the perfect example of how you end up with woke, progressive, privileged elites who claim they represent the poor minorities. But sure enough, as soon as those poor minorities say, "Okay, well, then listen to me because you're wrong. What do they get? They get shouted down. They get absolutely shouted down. I was reading somewhere that uh, someone said that the reason Candace Owens is so popular among conservatives is that she speaks to this, this feeling that white people have where they're scared to speak up. 
and they and 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 they don't feel represented. It's basically true to a certain extent that there are many things white people aren't allowed to talk about when they have opinions because they're scared they'll lose their jobs. Recently, there's a viral story going around from some academic from Berkeley who published an anonymous letter, scared they'll lose their job. And this person apparently is black. So Candace Owens essentially becomes a voice for how many of these people feel because they're not racists. They just feel that they can't even talk about these things critically and give their opinion without having their lives destroyed. So Candace Owens essentially becomes like an avatar for them. Now, for a lot of reasons, I am not a fan of Candace Owens. Notably, I mean, she came out against flag burning and uh, uh, like it should be illegal or something, or maybe it was just hyperbole. But listen, I'm all about free speech for the Black Lives Matter protesters. I'm all about hearing people out and fighting for true justice, real justice across the board, not just for one faction, not just for one race, for everybody. I truly believe in equality. That means I may not like the opinion of Sean Hannity, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to respect his right to have his opinion. And I'm willing to listen and talk to the people who watch his show and feel the same way he does. The same thing for Candace Owens. And admittedly, I'm not a big fan of Ocasio-Cortez's opinions either. I'm a rather moderate center left-leaning individual. But I like the fact that we can all have these ideas. So if you're one of these people that wants to come out and shut down speech, I'm going to have a problem with you. If you're one of these people that wants to go around banning books, banning movies, banning art, I'm going to have a real big problem with you. And if you get actual African-American counsel that want to speak up and have their voice heard and you want to boo them down, I'm going to have a problem with you. And the same goes for the same activists who would shout down any other white person or Latino or Asian. Not everybody has the same experience. It's the people who claim to fight for social justice that are doing the most damage, in my opinion, because I really do believe we have a long way to go to heal the wounds of this country and potentially make a better world. And guess what? That means when you're gonna, when you when you sit down, you're going to have a guy with a MAGA hat and you're going to have a guy wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt. So with that being said, I'm going to I'm going to I know I, I just try to turn into a rant off, off, you know, not necessarily about the story, but I think it is. I'll just give a shout out to that great moment when Hank Newsom of Black Lives Matter stood up at that Trump rally and talked about what he felt and he got cheers for it and they clapped, they, they clapped for it. Because in the end, the one thing that gets us through this is having an identity that is America, American. I don't come from a family where I recognize any kind of white history of anything like that. I didn't come from a family that has a strong Korean history or anything like that, or Japanese for that matter. Not that that was a big part of my family's identity. So all I really had growing up was America. That was it. And hopefully, I, you know, I thought that was it. We won because we are Americans. We are the melting pot. That's what they told me in school. Now that I get older, what do I get? I get to see this, the lies, the deception and the manipulation from leftist weirdos who want to tax Amazon, who have nothing to do, which has nothing to do with actually making this place, this country better for all Americans. They'll argue it does. It doesn't. It's economic policy disputes. It has nothing to do with Black Lives Matter, at least in my opinion. I'm sure there are some people who might disagree with me, and that's fine. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, if these women want to speak up and have their voice heard, that's all that matters. The same goes for Dave Chappelle. The same goes for Raz Simone, that guy who apparently took over. Everybody's going to have a perspective. I want to hear what you have to say. I don't think people should be shut down. And I think if people got dumb opinions, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear them, man. That goes for everybody across the political spectrum. There's my rant about these people, man. I'll leave it there. I wish these women the best. I hope things work out the, the, the best for these protesters. And I think we, 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 we can't have a media that demonizes one set of people over another set of people or ideologies. We need to recognize, we need to recognize each other. We all live here together, right? It's like you can't give preferential treatment to one group because we got to share the space. And all you're going to do is breed resentment and animosity. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly.
Recently, Dave Chappelle published a, a video. I, I can't really call it stand up, more of like a, a speech called 846, eight minutes and 46 seconds. It's a very, very powerful video. And I've got some thoughts on it. The first and most, I mean, most interesting thing is that what, what I'm not seeing from a lot of people when they, when they highlight Dave Chappelle's whole segment is that he gets dangerously close to warning of some kind of race war or civil war, or at the very least, extreme racial violence. In his video, he talks about the people who lost their lives. And my respect to Dave Chappelle, I think he's an awesome dude. One of the most important things I think about this video segment and why Dave Chappelle is important for what's happening right now is that he recently put out a video special on Netflix where he was extremely anti-PC. He was extremely offensive. And I'm glad he did it. He pushed back on these woke lunatics who have been trying to burn our books. And he gave, a, he gave, he gave this uh, speech, I guess. He did this segment, which was a bit funny at times. He's, he's, I, I think Dave Chappelle is awesome. And in it, he talked about Black Lives Matter and the lives that were lost and what these things, what, what, what these things lead to. And you know what? I agree almost entirely with what he was saying. He wasn't talking about taxing Amazon. He wasn't talking about changing universities or anything like that. He was talking about people being killed and the repercussions of that. He also then ragged on Laura Ingram, Don Lemon, and Candace Owens. And I laugh at that too. You know what I see when I see Dave Chappelle? I see somebody who probably actually speaks to people in a similar area politically to me. When he did his Netflix special and he did the Chinese face joke, where it was a very obvious like 1920 stereotype joke. Guess what? I'm part Asian. I laughed. I loved it. I did. Because he can make fun of me. We can make fun back. He can have a good time. And he recognizes that some things are just jokes. But he also talked about serious issues that he felt was impacting his community that needed to be rectified. And whether or not you agree with him or not, he brought up very, very important points. The one thing I like to bring up when it comes to any political issue is not so much is to point out that what matters is not so much what is true, but what people think is true. Now, I'm not saying objective reality is not important. It is. It's paramount. We need to have the facts straight to be able to solve these problems. But what you need to consider is that humans react emotionally. So if you want to get to the core of what this problem is, the problem, in my opinion, is not first and foremost, the problem is not, I guess, first and foremost, whether or not there is an issue of police brutality targeting the minority community. Although to Dave Chappelle and Black Lives Matter, it is. I respect their position. The issue is something is creating this perception. For one, it may actually be the problem of police brutality, of which I think there are some issues we can deal with. I'm totally for police reform. It could also be that there is a media problem that is fanning the flames. At the very least, I need to sit down and better understand why it is someone like Dave or anyone from Black Lives Matter would feel this way or, or in the inverse. Why would a Trump supporter feel the way they do? That's why I absolutely love sitting down with people of different political persuasions. Maybe it's true that there's a media problem that's fanning the flames and making things worse when it's not really that bad. Maybe it's true. There really is a police brutality problem. If you don't address it by sitting down and asking, you'll never really know and the problem will only get worse. So let me put it this way. First and foremost, objective reality is extremely important. If it is not true that there is a police brutality problem, we got to deal with that because we got a perception problem. And if it is true there is a problem, we got to deal with that because we got a problem. At the very least, here's the way I see it. Dave Chappelle is focused on these, these circumstances that are very real, very, very real. The question about disproportionality in policing is re- less relevant to the fact that people have been killed. Dave Chappelle sees a story like George Floyd 
and he highlights it. Why? Because it's something that speaks to his community. We then see a lot of conservatives highlighting Tony Timpa. Why? It speaks to their community. I look at both and say, hey, man, I respect both positions. Neither of those dudes should have been killed the way they were. So if that's the case, let's talk about how we make sure it never happens again. I think the simple solution is guaranteeing our Fifth Amendment rights, the violation of due process and life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, let's be real. But we have to have a real conversation about what's making people feel this way. Now, that being said, because I've talked about that many times, I think what Dave Chappelle highlights in the segment that's so important, and I hope you've seen the segment, maybe you haven't, because I know, I know not everybody agrees with it. He brings up Christopher Dorner. He brings up a couple, couple other people, a guy in Dallas. He didn't bring up the guy in New York, which he should have. But let me just tell you what he's bringing up. And then, and then we'll, we'll read a little bit about what, what the Washington Post says and his criticisms for you know, Candace Owens and Don Lemon. Candace Owens. He brings up that if we don't deal with this, you end up with crazy dudes taking weapons and hurting people. He brings up this guy, Chris Dorner. I don't know if you remember the story. He was a black police officer who, and I'll tell you the story as Dave Chappelle told it, because I, I want you, uh, the point I'm trying to make is to understand what he's saying and how we can deal with his feelings and what may lead to more violence. This guy Dorner, apparently, according to the story, witnessed police brutality. He reported it. He got fired. He did everything he could to get his job back. They didn't care. And I truly believe there, th- th- there was a problem here. Well, what he did, in my opinion, was the wrong thing to do. And I believe it made things worse. What this guy did was he wrote a manifesto. In it, he wrote down people he really liked. One of those people, he said he thought Dave Chappelle was a genius. Dave says in the story that when he was flying to L.A., the cops called him and told him we could you know, protect you because he mentioned you in the manifesto. Dave gave a rather hilarious response. He's like, I read that manifesto. He likes me. Now, what can I do for you, <laughs> you know, to protect you, right? It was funny. But this guy ended up killing people, people who had nothing to do with the situation. Apparently, he killed a kid, a child of one of these cops. Now, the cops responded with hardcore retaliation. Dave mentions like 400 people show up. My understanding of the story is that he was locked in a shed of some sort. And depending on who you ask, the cops may have torched the building with him in it. I don't like this story. I don't like what happened in Dallas. You remember what happened in Dallas? A guy uh, with, with a rifle took out a bunch of cops during a protest. It was horrifying. Let me tell you something. I lived on Myrtle in Nostrand. Uh, you, may, you may know my, my buddy Adam from the Timcast IRL podcast. He lived a block, uh, a block away from me because we, we, we hung out. We lived in the same area. One block down was, I believe it was Tompkins and Nostrand, I believe. Maybe it was the name of the street. So maybe, yeah, maybe it was Tompkins. So anyway, this guy uh, on the street in 2014, while I was there sitting in my apartment, killed two cops. And he said, you take one of ours or or you take two of ours, you take two of yours, something like that. It was in reference to Eric Garner and Michael Brown. Dave Chappelle made a very important point in this segment that there is going to be some kind of extreme reaction from extremists. And he didn't glorify it. He just told the stories. And I think he gave an apt warning to people. I thought it was truly fascinating that he was kind of entertaining this civil war type story that if something isn't done about this, these things are going to happen and people have been warning you about it. So let me let me do my best to try and break this down. First, one of the criticisms of Dave Chappelle is that when he got rich, he moved to an overwhelmingly white suburb or whatever. And I don't I think that kind of misses the point. Dave Chappelle isn't ragging on capitalism. 
That's what we get from these far left people infiltrating and manipulating. Dave Chappelle is rich and he's a phony guy. When he was asked at one of his comedy specials, what would he do if Donald Trump got reelected? He sits down and laughs. He goes, probably get a tax cut. And everybody laughs. He's clearly a capitalist dude. He's fine with being offensive. He's funny. I think he's awesome. There are a lot of people who disagree with his assessment over the police brutality as to whether or not it's real. But I want to set that aside and simply say, here's a man of, of, of respect who's clearly on, on, on the side of free speech and free expression, who's telling you something bad will come if this isn't dealt with in some capacity. He's not threatening anybody. He's just telling you there's pain, there's suffering. This perception exists. Guess what? He's right. And you know what else I see that you can't ignore? The same, there's similar pain, not the same, but there's similar pain among Trump supporters. I recognize that exact same thing. When the factories were being destroyed, when jobs were being lost. And I saw that video, man. I can't remember where I saw this video. I can't remember what it was, but it was like some middle class dude crying, saying, thank you, Trump, because over the past few years with his factory closed, he was burning through his savings and he thought he was going to lose his house. His kids would go hungry. And then Trump came back. The factory came back and saved his life. And I saw that pain and I said, man, people are just trying to do right. They're trying to make sure they're, 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 you know, they're trying to make sure they survive. That's the average person. For the people in the black community, like, like uh, Dave Chappelle mentions, they see these issues of cops. And I can understand that because I grew up on the South Side of Chicago. And then I see the people who counter that. And it leaves me curious. I, I, see, I see the feelings Dave has. And I think we have to figure out what's causing those feelings, whether it's real, whether it's not, whatever you think, doesn't matter. It exists. The feelings exist. We got to deal with that. Otherwise, Dave's right. You will get more donors. You will get more people like this. We can't have that. The Trump supporters make a great point, too. No one, Hillary Clinton was not addressing their pain and their issues and was not speaking to them. Man, how do you create, how do you find that leaders actually going to talk to people and say, let me see where your pain is coming from, where this problem is coming from, and how, you, how we, 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 we overcome this? Instead, you get people who are fighting for their cause and demonizing the other. I don't think Dave Chappelle does that. And that's why I, I like the segment he did. And I think there are a lot of Trump supporters and probably to a certain degree myself, I, I play into this too with, with the segments I do. But I think people often point the finger at the other a bit too much. I'd like to see people recognize the problems without feeling like it's an attack on you. You know, I've seen the arguments about Black Lives Matter and how they say it shouldn't be perceived as an attack on conservatives or conservatives believe. And I think there's a fair point to be made there. I think all lives matter should be seen as an attack on Black Lives Matter either. It's weird to me that people view this as like a dis disregarding their position. And that's what bums me out about the whole situation that we saw with George Floyd so far, that you had a real opportunity to unite people, but there really are interests in keeping us separated and keeping us, you know, torn apart. I don't know, man, this is going to this is going to turn into a really long rant. I'm probably not going to get to the points that I want to make. But let me just tell you this. I hope I made a clear point to you, at least in some regard, having to do with this segment, that your feelings have merit, that when white people say they don't like being attacked online and they don't think that's fair to call them all racist and to say they're all privileged, I, I completely agree. You know, there are poor people in this country who grew up in the gutter and it's unfair to blame them and put the put the you know, point the finger at them. I think Dave Chappelle says we see people in our community being killed and it's causing pain and there's going to be, you know, action. And I, I hear you, man. So how about this? How about we uh, come together to the best of our abilities? My biggest criticism, and I want to make sure I can do I can do better in the future to focus it, is not with Dave Chappelle or Black Lives Matter. It's with the woke lunatics with this ideology that would take his cause away from him and that would change it. 
That's, and this is coming off the previous segment I just did, where at the Chaz in Seattle, they booed some black women who are saying you're hijacking the movement, because I think they are. And the media is doing everything to allow them to do it. I, I really feel like exploitative media is the biggest problem we have. I know I get accused of being in, it, in a similar vein, but I really try not to be that. Maybe I'm not perfect, but I'm biased. And maybe that's the real problem. I don't know. Maybe there's no way to solve this, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to the guy in the MAGA hats who says, here's the problems I see and here's what I want fixed. I'm going to listen to Dave Chappelle when he says the same thing. Let me leave that, you know, as the main point of what I'm seeing from this. I'm a big fan of Dave Chappelle, man. I think he's fighting the good fight on free speech and free expression. And I think he sees something we should pay attention to. It doesn't mean he's always right, but it means that the pain exists. And I'm going to say the same thing about the Trump supporters and Donald Trump and what he represents. And I'm going to try and do my best to say, hey, man, how about we all sit down at the end of the day, have a drink, and just talk about how we can live together peacefully. Because guess what? When you take the people that hate each other and you sit them down, it becomes really difficult for them to maintain that, to be honest. I don't have all the answers. I don't. I wish we had a, a good leader who could unify. I don't know who that could be. I'm not saying Trump doesn't try to do that. I'm just saying maybe the media, in my, in my opinion, I think the media is the biggest problem of all, to be completely honest. But I, I can't rant on this too much longer. Whatever. Maybe I didn't hit everything I want to say. I'll leave it there. Let me know what you think about uh, Dave's uh, comedy special on George Floyd and, and, and whatever you think about it. And uh, let's have conversations, man. That's the best we can do, right? Respect to all, to the best of my abilities. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes, and I will see you all shortly. If there was one thing that I think would be totally obvious about what's going to happen next following all these riots, it's that people want security. It is a basic necessity for people in their lives. I remember reading about civil war and revolution when it, when it was coming to the Arab Spring. And one of the things I read, it was like, there's a few things that people need. They need general health, they need food, and they need security. I don't remember if, it was, if that was exactly what they were saying. But they said that if you take one of those things away, you will get riots, you will get revolution because people need those things. They need to know that they have food to eat, otherwise they panic. They need to know that they are, uh, uh, you know, their, their health exists. They're not in, a, in, in, in like they're not bleeding out. They're not sick. They're not dying. And they need to know this can be maintained. Or maybe it was shelter. I think it was shelter, food and security. Security means you feel safe. When you don't feel safe, you start to get anxiety. Now, one of the biggest problems we have with the woke crowd is that they don't feel safe ever. Everything is a threat to them. And so they're getting anxious and going nuts. That is kind of a, a hollow revolution, in my opinion. Take a look at this story. More businesses fearing property damage hire private security guards in the wake of protests. Surprise, surprise. You want to abolish the police? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. These people are going to hire private security tenfold. The funny thing is people are joking, jokingly now saying that Antifistan may, may breed Ancapistan, you know, anarcho-capitalists, because the Ancaps and the libertarians, the anarcho-right, whatever, have have consistently said private security over police. And now people are hiring private security because they don't feel like the police are going to be good enough. But more importantly, the left is calling for abolishing the police. Go ahead and do it. I'll tell you what comes next. This it's right here in front of your face. The rich people will have private security guarding their cars and their trucks and their homes, and the poor people will be, will be left wanting. But maybe that's the point. When I was reading, I, I, so I don't know exactly what the three components were, but I think it was like food, shelter, security, or whatever. Security was definitely one of them. If the protesters abolish the police and now the regular people are without security, guess what? Revolution, right? Is that what they're trying to foment? Probably. 
They want this to happen, I guess. I'll tell you what, man. You get rid of the police. Here's what happens. There's been memes about this. The police are gone. People start hiring private security. Eventually, the, the, the left-wing activists demand that, you know, that we, we have security for all. It's not fair that only the rich people can have security. We all deserve it. And then they nationalize the private security, creating the police department. Congratulations. You've invented the police. I think it's absolutely silly. These people are claiming that, you know, in Seattle, they say the police precinct is now property of the Seattle people. It's like it always was, dude. It was never property of a foreign government or a corporation. It's paid for by your tax dollars. You vote. You can complain. Now, the problem is there are too many people and no one is, is I guess, there needs to be more oversight and reform, perhaps would be the better solution. There's no real way uh, uh, to effectively deal with how these police, you know, uh, function when they, when, they, when they break the rules. There, there are, in, there, there is internal affairs, there are compliance. But let me tell you, man, look, I'll, I got to be honest with you. In the big cities, these problems exist. And it's bred and, 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 and pushed by these Democratic politicians because it, it may not, you know, Republicans may not solve it, but I don't think they've had a chance. So maybe there needs to be some kind of competition to force these police departments to do a better job, at least as, 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 uh, as far as the people see it. But I've also wondered if private security actually is the appropriate response. One of the things I've heard that we could do is a voucher system for police. Imagine there are a bunch of different private security bureaus and you could provide a, you know, the government gives everyone a voucher based on proportional taxes. So people who are rich pay more, but everybody gets a voucher from the government. That way even poor people are granted access to security. But you choose which department you think does a better job. I think there are some real problems there in that if you're a customer of a department, they might not want to ticket you. But maybe there's another conversation to be had about not having cops issue tickets to people. Now, I think about it. What if we had a civil guard and we then had police? Think about it this way. If there's a violent crime happening, you don't call the civil guard. They don't do that. What the civil guard would do is hand out citations for parking violations and for speeding, and they would be a separate department from the actual police. Maybe separating that makes the most sense because then the police only have to enter, you know, dangerous circumstances. Uh, and they don't have to enter these tedious, you know, fine related circumstances. And, and, and let me try and wrap this idea together. Let's say this, the, the, the police departments you could have a voucher for. Or actually, at this point, maybe you don't even need it. If the police only dealt with the worst of the worst case scenarios, you'd have a lot less negative interactions and negative potential. And then people can take it up with the civil guard who can be easily replaced because these are people who are not equipped with lethal force. Somebody who's doing traffic control, somebody who's, do, who's like a meter maid, somebody who is uh, giving out speeding tickets, they don't need to be cops. Speeding tickets, maybe, but think about it this way, too. If the person doing speeding tickets can't arrest you, then will the people in the cars be jumpy and scared the cops going to shoot them or arrest them? No, they're going to get a ticket. and That's all they're going to think. If the cops, the cops will still pull people over, right, if they're serving warrants and stuff. Anyway, look, I, I don't know. Here's the main point. I'm not going to start theorizing about how we solve the police problem. I'm just going to say straight up, there it is. There's the story. I don't think I need to read too much into what the story is. Private security is on the rise all over the place because people were destroying buildings and people don't like it. The average person doesn't like it. They're going to hire private police forces. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe that's the competition that we need to make sure the police do a better job. Maybe it's actually the competition we need to reduce the amount of negative police interactions. I don't necessarily know how we, we solve for this, but I will tell you, private 
you're going to breed more private police when you move to abolish public because there will always be some kind of police. These people don't realize they're not going to enjoy what comes next if they do abolish the police. First of all, I think most Americans recognize the problems that will arise if they do, and that's why they oppose it. But these activists who showed up to the Chaz probably didn't realize that the power vacuum would be filled in seconds. And it was by that dude Raz who went around assaulting people and did whatever he wanted. Guess what? Now you're going to need some kind of security to protect you from the guy who claims to be in charge. You're going to need money. So what do we do? Do we, do we abolish the police and give everyone their tax money back? Think about it this way. If you reduce taxes on everybody, you abolish the police. Then you say, okay, whatever money we used to give to the police, we now, you don't pay. Rich people will make the most in that return. They'll then use that to easily hire private security. And guess what? Let me, let me, let me break it down for you. The way taxes work across the country is they're for the most part progressive. Not always, but typically. Let's say a rich person play, you know, is paying 3%. And a poor person is paying, you know, 0.3%. So the rich person gets back a disproportionate amount of tax revenue. He only needs, you know, 100 bucks an hour for the security he wants. And he's making way more back in those, in those saved taxes. The poor person also would need $100 an hour for adequate security. But they're only getting back like a dollar or two. So the rich people will have high tiered, awesome private security doing what they want. And the poor people will be left wanting. But we can't have it, man. Businesses are already, you know, small businesses already have really low margins. I doubt that many of these businesses could afford to have legit, good private security 24-7. They probably can't. A lot of people, I guess, on the left don't realize these business owners who, who pay a minimum, wage, minimum wage are not like super rich landlords, fat cats in tuxedos with monocles. I think that's what they, they assume. One of the biggest problems the left faces is that they assume everything capitalistic and every, all of their problems, uh, all, everything they're seeing, they think is just a city, the city with their big businesses and their big chains, Amazon stores, and the police with their problems of police brutality. They don't realize that most of the businesses are small businesses, that most of the people who run these businesses make maybe like $40,000 a year and can't afford to just increase the minimum wage for all of their staff members because then they couldn't hire anybody and they couldn't pay themselves. They don't get it. What they don't understand is that when they complain about police brutality, they're talking about their cities. They don't understand when they talk about raising, you know, base pay for, you know, low skilled workers, that you're talking about destroying small businesses. This is the problem we have with the policy they try to enact when they try to enact a one size fits all policy. In the end, what I, I think, you know, look, I'm not a big fan of private policing. I'm not a, an ANCAP. I'm not a laissez-faire capitalist. I don't think we would be better off with a bunch of different policing companies moving around. I know I mentioned the voucher idea. It's just an idea. But I think maybe you've got, we, there's, there's some other reforms that we need to enact. Otherwise, you will have private security guards, and I have seen them break the law 100%. There, there have been high profile people. They hire top tier private security that straight up tell cops to back off because they're they're better paid and they're better armed and the cops can't do anything about it. Do we want to create a larger wealth gap and two tiered system? That's what the left is advocating for. So let me let me just put it this way. The past three segments I've done have kind of followed a theme. What happens when the left doesn't pay attention to what they're actually calling for? They make everything they claim to be fighting much, much worse. Private security may be fine. I, I, I can't tell you because uh, I don't know. But I think it, you know, maybe one of the problems is that it's just too good. 
Maybe we've solved so much of our problems that the only things we have left are, you know, just to continually find something to be angry about. Maybe when it comes to police, there will always be a margin of error, right? That no matter how, how you try and reform the cops, people will lose their lives. And then people will complain about it and they'll protest. And there won't ever be a circumstance where there is no police related deaths. If that's the case, then this constant call for reform is just going to destroy a system when we finally got it as good as we can get it. Well, they're going to change it. It's going to come and go in waves. And uh, I don't know. But can anyone be, uh, is anyone really surprised that the police, that, that uh, you know, when they call to abolish the police, private security guards find new work? I'll leave it there. Next segment will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all next time.